This is Mount Pleasant United Methodist Church. Welcome to our sermon podcast. Well, good morning. Welcome to the season of Christmas. It is finally here, but you probably already know that. Um, I don't know about you, but did you kind of get a, a feeling in that last song? You know, Jason, Jason had this prayer, which is just, you know, kind of really sets the tone. And, and then we sang this last song. And it's almost like I really kind of felt like as, as we entered into that song, there was just the volume seemed to pick up. There seemed to be a, a, a fullness to it, as if people were just so anxious to begin to sing and to, and to just praise God for what he's doing among us. We're, we're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, This is the first Sunday after Christmas. You know, during the season of Advent, we go through Advent. Advent is a season of preparation. It's, It's the idea is to build that anticipation that something is about to unfold that perhaps is uncertain or unclear. And we're building that momentum of what God has been doing through through the prophets and through the Old Testament, but now is becoming to be fulfilled. And, And so we come to a season of Christmas. Christmas has come. We had a beautiful Um, time of candlelight here just in the sanctuary to usher in that special day. And then you gathered with your family. I'm sure that you celebrated Christmas in your own way with family and friends. Certainly the the kids remember Christmas. They remember all of the toys, the celebrations. They remember the the family gatherings, um, the, the food, the feasting. So here we are on the first Sunday in Christmas. And if, if it isn't on your thoughts, it should be. What was the point of it all? What was its meaning? What, what lasting value did it have to you, other than the lasting value of the bills that will come due in January? What significance does it mean to you? Is it a time on the calendar? Okay, so that now that we've had this moment... We pack up all of the, the, the decorations, we, we put the poinsettias away, we take the trees down, and do we pretend it didn't really happen? Was Christmas the end of a season, or was it ushering a new chapter? Was it the beginning of something new for you? And what I want us to do in our time together is to ask the question, so that... What I mean is that when you read through the scriptures, oftentimes there'll be a story or Jesus would say something or do something so that the people would understand something important about their journey in life, about who you are, about the struggles that you faced. So we're going to take some time. We're going to look back at 2019. We, in 2019, we faced some real challenges. We, we lost some good friends We gained some good friends. New people became part of our fellowship, and we're celebrating that. Uh, Other ministries have begun to really click and take off. Our our VBS was really one of the best it's it's ever been. We're connecting with families in a new and, and bright way. We've had our challenges that we've overcome. We've had our opportunities that we've embraced and and look for another year. And so when we look at 2020, we're looking forward. Somebody once said, you know, whenever you have 2020, it's always hindsight, but 2020 is foresight. What's going to happen in 2020? What is it going to mean? And how will our Christmas, how will this experience shape who we are and who we become? Not just as a church, not just as an organization, but you individually. What experiences have you had in 2019 
that Christmas is the culmination or the beginning of a new chapter. See, Christmas is not the end of God's story. You already know that. It's the beginning of a whole new chapter. A whole new testament, a whole new covenant is beginning in our lives. And I want you to be a part of that. And so we began by this idea, this image that's up on the screen of somebody that is beginning a journey, a journey that perhaps is uncertain, whose end is unclear, on paths that they do not know, but only with the idea that they were made for more than where that they are, that God is telling them in Christ that there's a whole new world that is waiting for you to, be, for you to discover. Now, it's not going to be able to, you can't get there on Sunday morning alone. You can't just show up and hope that God will give it to you on a silver platter. It's the idea that you were made for more. And I believe that deep down inside, you already know that. You really do. This is the Sunday prior to Christmas Eve, right? And with the new year. And what do we normally do? What do do most of us do in that new year? We make New Year's resolutions. How many of you have made a New Year's resolution? Oh, that's pathetic. That is horrible. We got to do better than that. Here's why I want you to have a New Year's resolution. Why do people make New Year's resolutions? Well, most of us feel unfinished. There's things that we want to do. What is the number one New Year's resolutions? Lose weight. We're always never really quite satisfied. There's things that we'd like to do, but it isn't just about your weight. Maybe it's, there's a book that you want to read. You, you always wish that you could, could learn a different language or, or you could learn an instrument. There's something about you and, and about where you are that, that you feel this urge to be better. You, you know that somehow you're not finished, that there's something in you, there's a spark that is, that is just waiting to catch fire. It's, it's there, it's glowing, but it hasn't really burst into passion. It hasn't really burst into purpose. It's just kind of waiting, hoping. And here's the problem. The longer that we wait for that to catch fire, the more that it'll begin to fade. You see, your spirit can often be like your muscles. If you've ever known somebody that was in the hospital for a long time and and maybe they're not able to get around, what will happen over time is muscles will begin to atrophy. They're not able to flex and they're not able to hold as much strength as they once did. And so people, after being in the hospital for an extended period of time, they will have to go to what what is often called rehab in order to get those muscles exercising again to do what they were created to do. The longer that you wait for your spirit to catch fire, the more it will begin to atrophy. You will not be able to do it. You'll forget how to reach out with compassion, how to connect with other people. And so I want you to think about how God is inviting you to something more, something deeper. Otherwise, would Jesus really have come if it wasn't to invite you into a bigger story? But it isn't what God is just going to do for you. It's God inviting you to participate, to exercise that faith, to make it stronger, to be transformed from just consumers to saints. All of you gathered here this morning are are saints that are in process. You're learning, growing, transforming, stretching, being challenged, being awakened to what is possible. And so I want you to think about what you would have for your New Year's resolutions. 
What would you want? I believe that all of us have New Year's resolutions for a number of reasons. The number one reason is we instinctively want to grow. We want to be better. We want our lives to continue to morph. Nobody really comes and just says, hey, I am perfect as I am. I can't get any better. If that were you, you probably wouldn't be here this morning. You're here this morning because there's something within you that is drawing you into some presence and some peace. You want to be better. You want to improve. You want to learn and you want to grow. That's why we make New Year's resolutions. But most of us feel unfinished. We feel like we're a work of art that isn't quite finished. Or, or perhaps you feel like a story that is halfway through and you don't really know how it's going to end. You can't really tell if your story is a comedy or if it's a horror story. Is it a love story, a romance that is unfolding with the years? Is it a drama or is it an adventure story? We don't really know because we're halfway through it. Somebody once said it's like being dropped in the middle of a play. Other people are all around playing parts, but you don't know what your role is. You know that you have a place here. You know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're just not sure why. What is your role? What is God calling you to do? People are not really lazy. We just have goals that don't inspire us. We settle for what's easy and what's convenient. And so sometimes when we make our New Year's resolutions, we find that they fade so quickly. Actually, a recent study was conducted some time ago and found that of all of those people that make New Year's resolutions, 75% of them don't last the first week. Now think about it. It's kind of, kind of obvious if you think about it. If most people are going to say, my number one New Year's resolution is to lose weight, and then New Year's Day, what do you do? You throw a feast for yourself. You say, I don't know why this isn't working out. We all have desires to grow and to become more than what we are. And so this morning, I want us to think about beginning in the new year about all of the unfinished business that is lying before us. All of the things that you wish you'd have done, the people that you wish you'd have connected with, the ways that you wish you'd have grown, and not just bemoan the fact that it didn't happen, but use that as the motivation for what can happen. So that in 2020, we learn to live less out of just habit, just kind of going through the motions. We just show up on Sunday morning. We just do what we're supposed to do and hope that things work out. And more out of intent. What is it that you would like for you? What is it that God is calling you to do? Now, here's what I have found over the years, and it's really quite, quite uh, sad if you think about it. Most people like yourselves that attend on a Sunday morning, most Christians really don't believe God could use them for much of anything. They've lost that sense of spark, that, that sense of enthusiasm. And as we sit here on Sunday morning, we say, I know that that's good for those people, but not for people like me. Not with my background, not with my talents. God couldn't use somebody like me. And so we, we fail to look at what the Bible tells us about people like Joseph, who was sold into slavery only to become second to Pharaoh himself. Or to somebody like Jacob, who was a conniver and a deceiver, 
and yet led his family. We fail to understand that God uses flawed people like us if we are willing to share the journey. And I think that Jesus came to his disciples. He came to both the peasants and to the aristocracy, and he tried to help them to understand that God had for them a bigger story, something more that God wanted them to be a part of. And I believe this morning in this interim period, after Christmas, where still in our ears are ringing those songs of Christmas and of Advent, but not quite to the new year yet, that you will begin to see that God wants to use you in 2020. That this is an opportunity for you to face the unfinished business in your life. To step up and say, I do believe that God has something more in mind for me than where I am. Now Jesus, in the seventh chapter of Matthew, shares with the people that were around him the story about how God wants to use ordinary people like us if we are willing to make ourselves available, if we are willing to reach out and take the keys. It's almost like Jesus in, in, um, in Re- the book of Revelations, Jesus is talking and he says, I stand at the door and knock. If the door will be opened, I will come in and we will feast t- together. So the challenge for us this morning is to ask, where is God knocking on our lives? I wanted to read this morning from Matthew chapter 7, beginning with the seventh verse. Jesus is speaking. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, which of you, if your son asks for bread, you will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you will give him a snake? Now, if you then, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Do you hear in Jesus' voice or in this passage his emphasis on to get people moving, motivated? He, He says very clearly, he said, ask and it will be given. Seek, you're going to find a knock and the door will be opened. The challenge that Jesus is saying is most of us are unwilling to do the little things in order to experience the big things. He said, for example, he said, if you would give good gifts to your children, he said, how much more will your father give to you? More than what you can expect. It isn't that Christianity is hard. For most of of us, it has been left untried. We have to actually ask. We have to actually seek. We have to create those New Year's resolutions that say, I'm going to do something different this year. I'm going to try something new. I'm going to push on that door. I'm going to seek new paths. I'm going to ask for guidance whenever I feel lost. Because what happens is oftentimes the season of Christmas will fade away. During the season of Advent, when we have the decorations, we have all the poinsettias, everything is is beautiful, the church is filled to capacity, but as soon as that time fades away, our energy 
fades away. Our enthusiasm begins to wane. Calvet Roberts once said that character is the ability to carry out a resolution, a good resolution, long after the excitement of the moment has passed. The idea that we're going to stick with it, the, the commitment that follows where we are. Now, I know that each of you believe deep down inside, you already know this, that you were made for more than where you are. That God has something that he has placed in you and you alone. A spark, a, a desire, a hunger, a talent, a gift, something that God is wanting to burst into flame, to fan for the good of all, to bring light to all. But so often it is a struggle for us to believe that there is anything good in us. We are afraid to stand up and to be counted. We are afraid of the ridicule of those that are around us. And so this year I want to kind of help you continue to find that voice, that strength. As a church, we have people that can guide you, can walk with you, can help you and teach you how to find that voice that is in you and you alone. The first thing that I want us to, to begin to come to grips with in our own journey comes actually not from Scripture. It comes from Socrates. I hope you don't mind. The first thing is know thyself. Know who you are. Know what's on the inside. Know what the struggles are. Know what the doubts are. And I believe that the best way that you can find out who you are is by creating space for God to tell you who you are. He created you. He created that spark. When you see God for who he really is, you'll trust what he says about who you really are. You see, here's the funny thing. Have you noticed this during, during Christmas? All of the commercials that are trying to get you to buy stuff often try and do it by making you feel inadequate. I always think it's funny, you see this time of year, these commercials where this guy comes home and he says, honey, I got your Christmas gift. I just went out and bought us two new cars. Who does that? Have any of you ever known a friend to just go out one day and say, we just bought two new cars? I've, nobody does that. But that's promoted to say this is what it means to be successful. This is what it means to be loving. This is what it means to be a good husband. And yet nothing could be farther from the truth. Know thyself. Know what is good, what is right. Know why you were created. Know what God says about you. As a matter of fact, in the scriptures, Jesus came as the light of the world to guide those, that those living in darkness would not stumble in the darkness, but have a way out. That's the opportunity that is there before you. I believe that when you see God for who he really is, you'll trust what he says about who you really are. And the Bible is filled with those kind of stories, those kinds of affirmations that you were made for more than just showing up on a Sunday morning and going through the motions. Maybe it's the stories that we've encountered this week. I've had more funerals this week than in any other time that I can remember. And at each of the funerals, when you gather with the family, they will never tell you things like, oh yeah, they, they climbed the corporate ladder and ended up at the top. They will tell you about their compassion. They will tell you about those stories when they listened and they guided, about their consistency, about their spiritual life, 
about how their faith sustained them through the darkest times. And you begin to learn what is really important to people about the values that shape who they really are. So how do we create space for God to tell you who you really are? Because the bottom line is, is if God isn't telling you who you are, somebody else is. And oftentimes, it's clever marketing. So here's what I'm going to recommend. If you want to create space for God this year, if you want to make a New Year's resolution, I want to kind of give you three ways that you can create God to speak to you on a daily basis. First of all, begin with His Word. The Bible is filled with stories of men and women that overcame great obstacles to transform their family and their friends and their world. The story of Rahab, the story of Mary and Elizabeth, the story of Mary Magdalene and Simone. In Psalm chapter 8, the psalmist is looking up at the heavens and he sees the stars and he sees the beauty and the grandeur and then he says to himself, but who am I? Who are you that God is mindful of you? Who are you that God watches you, that God cares for you? Spend the rest of your days thinking that question, who am I that he is mindful of me? Take time to get into the Word. Sometimes people feel afraid of the Bible. They say it's too complicated. I can't understand it. But we want to understand this, this text, this ancient text that has guided men and women for countless numbers of centuries. We want to know it. Make it part of who you are. We have Bible classes on Sunday morning during the course of the week. We have Bible reading programs that are out on the Welcome Center. For you to begin in the new year to begin to digest this text that tells you it is not how much money you make or the number of possessions that you have, but the spirit that dwells within you that will last forever. Digest that on a regular basis. The second thing I'm going to recommend is that you become consistent in worship. Worship is God being your true north. Throughout the course of the week, your job, your family, your schedule will try and distract you. How many of you have ever gotten up on a Sunday morning and say, oh, my schedule's too full. I can't go today. I can't be in God's presence today because I've got other things to do. Nobody's going to care what your schedule is. But what's really important is what is true north. What is the path that you are on right now? There's a time for renewal and a time to reorient, to look at the week that just was, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and to say, where am I now? How do I get back on the path? On a recent trip that we took, um, when we went a couple years ago, well, actually last year, when we went to go visit Caitlin out in Nebraska, on the highway, there are all these little signs for all these distractions, right? In Indiana, there's this big sign for the biggest ball of twine, right? Who doesn't want to see the biggest ball of twine? There are all these crazy distractions, but that's not the destination that we had in mind. And imagine that one distraction leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. Pretty soon, you don't even know what the destination was. What worship does is it helps reorient us. This is what's real. This is what lasts. And this is what is truly valuable in your life. Make worship a central part of who you are. And finally, 
Find work. You were made to move, to exercise, to move forward. It's one thing to say, that's my destination, and I'm going to sit here until I get there. You can't get there by sitting where you are. You have to exercise your muscles, your spiritual muscles. You have to practice patience, kindness, gentleness, forbearance. You have to be long-suffering, and that takes involvement and activity. Find a place in this church where you can serve, where you can do something that will exercise those spiritual muscles and get you moving. There is a no end to the list of things that we could use help with people to get involved in the ministries to make this the strongest and most vital part of your week. But you are the one that has to seek it. You are the one that has to ask for it. You are the one that has to knock before it will be opened to you. The second thing that I want you to know is not just know yourself, know what you're capable of and the path that you're on. I also want you to be present. Be present with one another. And I don't mean just coming in on a Sunday morning and saying, how are you? Fine, how are you? When one of you is horribly broken. Try and do this when you're at home with your friends. Put down the cell phone. Here's the interesting thing that I've noticed lately. A cell phone, one of the words is phone. Phones were used to call people, to actually talk to them. But now what you're finding is people don't even want to talk on a cell phone that they can carry with them all the time. If they have a question, what do you do? You text them. Why? Because I don't want to talk to you. I'm afraid it'll take up too much of my time. I remember as a kid, and I don't know if many of you had this experience or not, when we grew up in Pennsylvania, before cell phones, before the internet, all that kind of crazy stuff, people used to just drive by the house and they used to just stop. What a crazy time that was. And they would have conversation. They would build relationships. They would look in one another's eyes and ask, how's it going? And then sit there until you told the truth. If you're always on your cell phone, you are communicating. You're telling somebody, you don't matter to me. This is more important than who you are. When you're with your family and friends, Put the cell phones to the side. Be present with them. People remember more that you were there, that you really cared, that you were really interested in who they are if you were present with them. You looked them in the eye and you could feel what they were saying. Put down the cell phone and be present for the day-to-day -day life that is passing you by. And finally, I just want you to invite to be memorable. Who doesn't want that? To do things that people remember, that's who they really are. Whenever you sit down with a family and you're talking about a funeral, you ask them some questions about, about the family member, a mother or a father. And it's interesting the stories that will come back, the, the things that they remember the most. It's almost always the things that they were committed to, the things that that they were always passionate about. They, they were dedicated to it. What is it that you are most dedicated to? What is it that people are remembering you for? I want to suggest to you that if you have a moral compass, 
and that you stick with it, people will gravitate to you. I think today people are looking for somebody that is consistent. This is what they believe. Now, if you're one of those people that gets up again, and I hope I'm not beating this drum too hard, if you get up on a Sunday and you say, but I've got this to do, and, and I've got this, this game to go see, and I've got this to do, you're communicating. You're telling people that you are driven by what is urgent and what is pressing and what is most needy. You're a pleaser. You want everybody to be happy. If you have a moral compass that tells you what true north is, you will help guide everybody else in your circle. Your family and your friends will gravitate to, to you because they will look at you and say, this person knows who they are. They know what they're about and they know their values and what is significant to them. So the three things. One, know thyself. Believe in yourself. Believe that God wants more for you than you want for you. God sees in you the saint that is just waiting to be born, waiting to catch fire, waiting to stand up and say, count me in. Jesus is coming to all of us to say, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. I will make you the apostles of this generation. And so I want to invite you in this new year to live in such a way that people who don't know God, who don't know their story, who don't know why they exist, will come to know God because they know you. As we begin a brand new year, as we look for the challenges that are coming ahead, as we're facing 2020, and I believe that in 2020 we will have our challenges, and I'm glad for that. I'm glad that we will be challenged because it helps us strengthen and overcome those obstacles. I also believe we're going to have some amazing opportunities that are coming. Amazing opportunities that we have to take advantage of. We have to be poised when God comes knocking on the door. We have to be ready to accept what he's doing. Are you ready to go even farther and deeper in 2020? Are you willing to make a New Year's resolution? What's going to be different in 2020 that wasn't true in 2019? How are you growing? How are you stretching and expanding and becoming a better version of you? The church is here to help you, guide you, give you the tools, the tips, walk with other people that are learning the same paths that you are. You don't have to go it alone. Join with a team. Find ways to work and for the word to become part of who you are. And in the process, when we have this conversation next year, you'll be able to say, this is how I am a better person this year because Jesus makes me a better person. Let us pray. Father God, as we come here this morning with the sound of Christmas carols still ringing in our ears with family and friends gathered around us, the beauty of the season we turn our attention to a new year, to new challenges and new opportunities. We pray, Father, that we will not become stagnant and still, but we will become a moving army, a mighty force. We will become your disciples. I pray for those saints that are among us that are stretching in new ways. I pray for those that are, are afraid to stand up and be counted. 
Father, move in their lives. Destroy any barriers that are holding them back so that 2020 will be the best year that they have ever known. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.